Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Show. No GFC action to look back on this week. Their game on Saturday postponed. Uh, a couple of local fixtures, though, that Rob was at. We'll uh, talk about those in a moment. And we'll hear from uh, the Guernsey under-18 and under-21 manager for this season, Angus Mackay, as we look forward to the return of interinsular football. A really exciting time for the island's um, top juniors, for sure. My name is Tony Kerr, and as I say, with me today is Rob Batiste. Hi, Tony. Great to see you, Rob. Yeah, good to see you back. Yeah. You're not looking too sunburnt after your, <laughs> after your holiday in Barbados. Barbados folks, you know, we get to get Alderney and Herm and he gets Barbados. Yeah, no, good, good to get a bit of sunshine, but nice to be back uh, to Storm Eunice and, um, and a, a bit of wet and windy weather. It is February, Tony, yeah. it is February, to be expected. It's what we love. Um, yeah, exciting time for, for Ireland football coming up. We are on the verge of the return, as they say, of interinsular uh, football. Um, we've got Jeremy time. Cup and We Wake Up to come, but um, certainly all eyes are going to be on the under 18s um, as they travel to Jersey in a couple of weekends' time. Um, as I say, we'll hear from Gus Mackay um, in a bit uh, to look ahead to that and talk a bit more so generally about his contribution to Ireland football over the last sort of, decade or so. Um, in terms of the domestic stuff, Rob, you're at a couple of games, I think, this weekend. Yeah, I popped along to see um, Sylvan's host Alderney on the KG5 3G on Saturday afternoon and I could say the conditions were absolutely horrendous the worst I've seen this season it really was awful the pitch conditions were fine of course you know but the wind was absolutely terrible and it was pouring with rain and one stage it was very very difficult to um to watch um let alone play in those conditions and um once again Sylvans came through with flying colours, they are a very decent team these days. Um, Martin Degare and Mike Garnett are really creating something really quite—I wouldn't say special yet, because there's, you know, they're not world beaters, but they are creating something. It's quite clear to see they've got a very, very young squad in general terms, um, and they are improving and very, very good in the counter attack. And um, they were. Although Alderney were probably the better side in the second half um, and came back well, um, which showed a lot of spirit on their on their behalf. Um, Sylvans were, you know, well worthy of their the points, and uh, I say they're pushing hard for a top three place. Whether they can get it, I don't know, because um, Rovers are playing just as well at the moment. Um, really hit a really good period of form even though that they've you know they're not without they've lost the likes of Finn Whitmore um to lead their line Tom Strawbridge hasn't been playing regularly um but they've um they're playing really some neat stuff and in very bad conditions again on Saturday at Portsmouth we even we're even Paul Porter admitted to me on the phone that it was windy <laughs> Because um, he's Porter always he, index, spent, he spent the last twenty five years denying that there's wind at Portsmouth to me. Um, no, it, they they're playing very very well, and um, Kevin Gillies is having a great effect on that squad. So well done to him. Um, North, I saw half their game with Rangers on Saturday afternoon. They came into that Stranger Cup group match needing to win by six um, to pip Saints and go through as a um, best second place. Club and um, they sailed past six. They got nine against a very weakened um, Rangers side who um, have shorn of all their best under 18s. There was four of those missing, and um, plus a couple of others. And um, uh, so North had the bit between their teeth from early on and just blew them apart, blew them away. 
we're going to be talking about the under-18s um, in a minute, of course. They beat Saints the other day. Um, do you give them any hope of getting through to the, the final, Rob? Why not? Um, we don't know who they're going to be playing yet. Yeah, it'll be either Rovers, North or Sylvans, all three very strong opponents. Um, but they seem to be, being young players, they're well-versed to playing on that 3G surface. Uh, it doesn't phase them at all. Um, yeah, they could well get to the final. They could well win, well win it. We'll see. Yeah, good stuff. That that competition, well poised for sure. Yeah, the Stranger Cup's a lot more exciting than the actual Prio title race, that's for sure. Because of course, Saints have got that more or less wrapped up. They they well, they were some way away from actually doing it mathematically. There's no chance of anybody catching them. They are a class above everybody else. Yeah, well, we saw Spurs um, win it at the Etihad on Saturday to potentially open up a um, yeah a, a bit of intrigue in the Premier League title race, but you don't give uh, Saints there any chance of missing There will be no intrigue on, <laughs> in, in this year's title race, Tony. I can, I'll leave my, I'll put my money, my house on that. So all eyes on cup competition for sure. Um, and as I say, a week on Sunday, uh, we see the return of um, inter-island representative football, which is uh, definitely a hallelujah moment, I think, as, uh, as far as the local game is concerned. In a moment, we'll speak to the coach of uh, Guernsey's under-18s who head to Jersey uh, to take on their counterparts at St. Peter, Gus Mackay. Welcome back. Um, yeah, Guernsey's under-18s heading to Jersey uh, a week on Sunday um, to face the old enemy at St. Peter. That's going to be a really exciting moment. Um, yeah, fully two years after, well, pretty much fully two years after the last time uh, the under-18s um, met on a, a football pitch. And yeah, the first time in two years that we've had any inter-island football really of note. And it's a big one because this is the centenary junior Marathi and um, we want to win it. Um, Obviously, Gus has got a perfect record when it comes to coaching representative teams. Um, it's interesting to hear his ethos on football, which doesn't surprise me because he was was a very laid-back footballer in his time. Um, even though he had he had a hard edge to him, he was no softy, that's for sure. But he was always a, quite a he was a bit of a silent assassin on the on the pitch. But he was a very very accomplished player. I see, you know, remember when he came over to play for Ticks in those first couple of years he was the backbone of the team um, Kevin Graham was the the, the big centre half um, Angus provided the guile and was everybody looked up to Angus everybody could see from day one he stepped on the park he was the class player and um, he was looked at quite jealously by the clubs when this player with this shock of blonde hair I don't know where it's gone <laughs> <laughs> yes more on his chin now than yeah, his, uh... yeah and it's certainly not blonde but um, no he was a terrific player um, he wasn't blessed with a lot of pace but he could do more things he could do most things as I say with um on that pitch he was very good in the air very good distributor of the ball and a great reader of the game one of the best players we've seen in the last 10 years that's for sure yeah and making a big contribution to coaching now of course as you say uh, a serial winner with the under 21s as, as coach there and, and leading the under 18s into this fixture um now an exciting time he came in to uh, to talk a, a bit about that and about his career um on the pitch in guernsey and uh, yeah we spoke to him a little earlier on gus welcome to the pod great to see you Thanks for having me. Yeah, an exciting time for, for you as a coach, I'm sure, after so long of waiting. Um, we've got some interinsular football to look forward to. Of course, as um, coach of the under-18s, you've been, um, I'm sure, enjoying watching them um, play in the Stranger Cup over the last few weeks. Some really impressive results, not least a win over St. Martins inflicting their first defeat in God knows how long, Rob. About 15 months, I think. Quite a while. Um 
yeah, how, how exciting a time is it for you? Yeah, it's been great. Like you said, obviously, we've had a couple of games in the Stranger Cup, which leads in very well to the Junior Moratti, um, which is obviously coming up quite soon against Jersey. And then after that, we'll have to see who we get in the semi-finals of the Stranger Cup. Yeah, and looking back on that win over Saints, um, I'm sure that will have raised a few eyebrows. Obviously, Saints have been a real juggernaut um, in, in terms of local football in the last few months and, and years. Um, is that something that's, that's really sort of laid down a marker as far as your squad's concerned? I suppose if you look at the result on paper, um, it would have raised a few eyebrows. But I think what you also need to remember is we had some of their players that probably would have played for them in our squad um, and they did have a couple of unavailabilities. So that sort of levelled the playing field a little bit. Um, so I'm sure anyone who was at the game probably would have appreciated and understood. Um, and anyone that knows local football well would have appreciated and understood sort of the difference um, it made having sort of a couple of players missing for, for St. Martins. It doesn't sort of take anything away from how well we played because we played very well. Um, but yeah, it sort of levelled it a bit, which would have been nice for St Martins to get through and then we could play them again with their sort of full strength squad, but um, it hasn't sort of worked out like that. Um, I think North obviously went through on goal difference as the um, best runner-up. Yeah, that said, um, a good result, a great result against Velrec as well. Do you feel like the squad's in a pretty good place? Yeah, really good. So obviously, sort of earlier in the season, we knew that we had two games leading into the Junior Moratti and we thought maybe we might need one or two more. But actually, having seen the guys in those two games, I think that's given us enough to know, you know, how to select our, our best 16 as a squad and then obviously the starting 11 as well. And how excited are you about the, the talent on show there? I know um, uh, we had a couple of the players making their GFC debut um, the other night away from home. Um, uh, you know, Rob's been purring about a couple of them as well uh, over the last um, sort of season or so, particularly George McNeiler, obviously Keen Domar, the other player that made uh, his GFC debut um, the other day. Um, yeah, uh, how, how talented a group have you got there and some exciting players for the future of Guernsey football? There's some great talented players in, in that age group. Obviously, like you said, Keen and George both made their debuts um, last week. Um, so yeah, there's massive potential there. I think what we've always got to remember is that... Um, People don't necessarily always fulfil that potential unless they do the right things. And um, hopefully people like Keane and George will keep doing the right things. Um, and that's one of the reasons why someone like Alex is doing so well, because it's not just the fact that he's talented and he had that potential. He's fulfilling that potential because he's prepared to do everything else that he needs to do other than the sort of 90 minutes on the pitch to make sure he's the best player he can be. So, um, yes, there's no reason why sort of there's players in the 18s that can, I'm not saying they're going to go and play for Bristol City in the Championship, but I'm just saying there's massive potential there if they um, if they do the right things to, to um, get to that potential. Yeah, you mentioned Alex there. I mean, with his success, Joe Adams going off to Wigan and, and by all accounts, Ben AC, yeah, soon to follow. Um, has that, do you think, sharpened a few minds at, at, at sort of junior levels in Guernsey football about what's possible? Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, we hadn't seen really anyone get to that level since Matt Letizia, really. Um, so I think people have started to realise now, actually, that is possible. Um, I think a lot of people, possibly even myself included, didn't think that necessarily someone from Guernsey, given the amount of training in a professional academy now in England obviously we can't offer that here but we've obviously got we're obviously doing something right if someone like um, 
Alex can can sort of go and do that. So I think a few people have sort of seen how well he's doing and thought, well, yeah, there's no reason why I can't do it as well. Is it, do you think, that because our younger lads aren't sort of pushed into a, a, ma- a major club academy at a really early age, that they retain their natural skills that they've learnt in the playground and the park and what have you, longer and they're not sort of, things aren't coached out of them? So when when they arrive at sort of 18 years of age all of a sudden, that these clubs are saying, oh, these players have got a re- ability after all and there's something different. Yeah, I think that obviously Guernsey does allow players to be creative and express themselves a lot. I'm not saying that you know professional club academies don't do that as well, but I think um, if you're in a professional club academy, the majority of the football you're playing is very structured in terms of there's a coach there and it's with the club. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not there delivering that football. But obviously, in Guernsey, you have the opportunity to play sort of with a club, um, with your friends, you know, in the school playground. So I think part of Guernsey football is that you know you can be creative and take risks, um, like you know Matt Letizia or Alex Scott are two great examples of that. Um, so there's obviously something about the environment in Guernsey that definitely encourages. Um, players to have the ball and and be comfortable with the ball. Yeah, that's, that, I mean that's great to hear. Um, in terms of the last couple of years, uh, yeah, we've got an under eighteen game because we say that that you'll be in the dugout for in a couple of weeks' time. It'd be incredibly exciting to have. Yeah, an interinsular fixture back on the, the cards again. I remember going out to Foots Lane March 2020 to um, to that under 18 game, which Jersey won. But uh, yeah, at that point, thinking, you know, should we be shaking hands and, uh, you know, what's going on here? You know, it might be a few weeks before we see some football and lo and behold, yeah, two years later. Um, how much of, of, of sort of Guernsey's yeah, kind of young aspirational football is missed by not having... Yeah, the, the under-18 games, Star Trophy, etc. Yeah, I mean, some of the guys have been really unlucky, especially in that age group football, because they've had um, two years without a game, so they might have completely missed out on um, under-15s, under-16s. So it's great that we've got it back again, because um, it gives people an opportunity to play at the age group level, because I'm sure you know not everyone sort of gets to play a senior game, so the under-15s, 16s, 18s and 21s might be there only opportunity to play against Jersey for, for Guernsey. So it's great that we've gotten back on, yeah. And does that put a bit of extra kind of pressure on you as a coach, I guess, going to this to for players who, yeah? It should do, because he's got a perfect record. <laughs> I mean, he's the most successful Guernsey representative coach of modern times. I mean, I think there was a Ken Bruard and Paul Cochran in, in charge of the schoolboys going back a few decades. Had a brilliant record in that, but... Five out of five in the island under 21s, you can't beat that. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> so we're ready to come down on him when yeah, we're exactly. under 18s yeah, exactly. and get, get beaten. It's, it's, all, it's all good until you lose a game. <laughs> <laughs> What's the secret then, Gus? Come on. Um, I thought you might ask me that. I mean, <laughs> Your assistant. They're, they're, yeah, yeah, exactly, the assistant. I mean, we've been lucky in terms of we've had a lot of good players over the last five, six, seven years, however long I've done it for, because obviously with the lockdowns, um, so we've been lucky in that respect um, and then it's just a case of getting to know the players understanding them help making sure they understand us and what we want to do and how we want to do things and then just letting them play really um, we try not to sort of be too prescriptive in our coaching obviously offer offer plenty of guidance advice suggestions but 
um, try and give the players, sort of empower the players to to have the confidence and the and the and the knowledge and the and the belief to sort of go out there and play and do what they need to do to hopefully win the games. But I say so you, don't, all, you don't regard yourself as a, a, a mouthy manager then um, throwing teacups around in the dressing room and Yeah, no, I don't I definitely wouldn't be throwing teacups around. <laughs> <laughs> And you said before you're going to be taking the 21s again uh, this year. Um, as Rob mentioned, yeah, you know, several wins to look back on there. Is there one that stands out? And there's a game at, at, at Springfield, which Charlton Govine kind of ripped them apart in. Uh, the, one that, the one that sticks out for me is the one, oh, I can't remember which one it was. I know, I know which one it was, but I can't remember the year and it went to extra time. Um, and we won 4-3, I think. So... We were a goal behind and we scored in the last minute in normal time to then go to extra time. Um, and then we went 4-2 ahead and they came back and scored to make it 4-3. It was at the track. Um, so Kyle Smith played. So this is going back maybe four or five years. Robbie, yeah, Robbie, Robbie Leg I think, got a goal that day, didn't he? Uh, yeah, Jacob played. Jacob scored the equaliser to put it into extra time. Um, so, you know, we've won five in a row, but that could have quite easily been one that we lost, you know, so it was a tight game and there's been a couple of tight games. I think we had one where we we, we were quite comfortable away at Springfield. Um, but yeah, we had one away, at, the first one away at St Peter's was 2-1, I think. And then I think that was the second one I did um, at home at the track, which was 4-3 after extra time. Um, and then, yeah, I think we had one comfortable win away at Springfield. And then I can't remember the other two. <laughs> <laughs> and Let's talk about your career, Gus. Come on. Isn't it? Jeez. <laughs> <It's over. laughs> I mean, people, let remind people, I think you were a very handy Oxford United youth player and then you played for British universities. Is that right? Yeah, so I started playing for Oxford when I was 10 and then I played till I was 19 then went to university and... Uh, got selected for the English universities team um, and then yeah had an injury I was supposed to come over to Guernsey to play um, cool, that's going back a long way now so jo um, John Barnes's son played yeah. in the game so I was meant to play in that game but I had an injury so I didn't make it um, and then Steve was the coach of England universities Steve Sharman yeah Steve Sharman and uh, so was, interestingly enough, um, well, you might find it interesting, you might not, <laughs> Graham Potter and uh, Ian Birchnell. So Ian Birchnell's Notts County manager, I think now, and obviously Graham Potter's Brighton and Hove Albion manager. So, um, yeah, we had some, some great coaches. Um, and then when I finished my degree, um, Steve was trying to help Guernsey Athletics recruit some players from England. So... He made contact with all the England University squad um, and obviously said, look, there's this club that's just starting in Guernsey. Anyone interested? And that's how I ended up here. <laughs> and I picked him up from the airport. I was going to say, Rob, you know all about that. <laughs> I picked him up from the airport. I think I, and I remember taking him for a drive down the West Coast just to try to impress him. And I think it was a nice sunny day. It was. I seem to remember. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good, good opening. From there on, it went... Really. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously the the, the sort of ticks project was quite short-lived in the end but uh, how, what was the sort of bridge then to 
getting in, you know, to being around for, for Guernsey FC and, and being a big part of um, those early years? So Ticks, I think there was about 18 months in between Ticks folding and GFC starting. So I signed for North and I played for North for sort of 18 months. And then GFC started in 2011, I think. Um, and then, as you know, you know the way GFC was, the number of games, it didn't really sort of lend itself to playing for two clubs. So um, from then on, I sort of played for GFC for a few years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you have a favourite position, Gus? I liked playing as a defensive central midfielder was my preferred position yet but obviously I played anywhere in the back line really and then as a central defensive midfielder but that was my favourite Any games really stick in your mind? Um, I remember the cup semi-final Combined Counties Cup semi-final which was in our second season I think at home to Guildford which went to extra time. That Friday was a great night, game. a misty Friday night, I seem to remember. Yeah. There was about yeah, two and a half thousand down at Foot yeah. Lane. Yeah, it was a big crowd. That was a great game, yeah. I think Ross missed a penalty, didn't he, in that? And then... Yeah, yeah, he'll, he'll, uh, he'll enjoy. He'll, he'll, he'll be happy he remembered yeah. that. <laughs> That's all I can <laughs> remember about that night. Yeah, he missed a penalty, What's then he, he scored. Yeah. And then I think Dave really scored in extra time. Um, and then I think we ended up getting a fourth one to win 4-2. So that was a good game. I didn't play the Spennymore one. Unfortunately, I was injured, um, but obviously remember that because there was about three thousand people there. Um, so there too, it stick out in my head. I, um, really, above any others, yeah. And that was in our second season. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't play the playoff game either. Um, injured all the time. <laughs> uh, the playoff game against Leverhead, I missed that one. Um, but obviously, that would have been a great one to play in. And as for Marathis? Marathis, obviously remember my first one, which we lost on penalties, unfortunately. Um, and then there was one, I think it was the second one away, where we won 2-0, but we sort of controlled the game. It was, you know, it was a very one-sided 2-0, if you like. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're the two main ones that stick out in my mind. Um, and we had a couple of terrible ones as well. <laughs> So I remember those for the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah, less said the better. As a coach, how do you see yourself as a... What is your ethos as a coach? And he's, is it to let the team play and try and be um, not very intrusive? Just Yeah, I, like I said before, I guess I don't want to be too prescriptive with the players. I want to sort of obviously recognise and understand that they have a good knowledge of the game. And it's not necessarily, football doesn't have to work necessarily just only how I see it and how I would do it because that's not not necessarily the only way to play. So, and I've been impacted obviously by the way I was coached and when I was young, um, all I had was coaches really that told me what to do and or they didn't really tell me what to do, they just shouted at me when I did something that they didn't want me to do. So it made me sort of very maybe anxious and, and very risk averse. Um, and that's not really the sort of players that, I don't think that's the right way to go about it. I'd rather have players that were relaxed and comfortable, happy to take risks and be creative, um, rather than players that are terrified of having the ball because I'm going to shout at them if they make a mistake. Um, so yeah, that's obviously had an impact on the way I coach here. Yeah. 
And you mentioned Graham Potter and working with him in that university's team. Um, he's obviously someone who's, you know, the, uh, yeah, sort of great hope of, of English coaching and, and someone who's you know, pretty progressive. It, it, you know, I don't know how long, you know, you spent yeah, under, under his uh, kind of leadership, but is he someone who uh, influenced you a bit? I didn't, like you said, I didn't really have that much time with Graham. Um, it was more, I was more with Ian Birchnell, um, but something and uh, that Ian was a, a great coach because he was very relaxed and he got to know you sort of on a personal level rather than some coaches I had in the past, they wouldn't sort of take the time to have a conversation with you outside of football or get to know about you or what you liked or, you know, they would just see you as a player or an, an object or a yeah, robot like an and they'd be like, right, you, you're just supposed to be doing this because I'm the coach and you're supposed to be doing that. Whereas what you know Ian and I'm sure Graham probably is the same actually they recognize there's got to be some sort of personal connection and that probably gets the best out of people rather than just telling them what to do all the time if that makes sense we've seen Tony and Fowl step into the breach for for this season in terms of uh, Marathi or senior Marathi leadership um I mean given your success at, at age group level have you got any appetite to it's only a to matter take of on time, the top job? Tony. <laughs> uh, I think if, if I answer that question now, I'd say definitely yes, but not yet, because I think the main reason is because I've been a teammate of a lot of the players that are probably going to play in a senior game. And I think for me anyway, personally, it would be difficult to, to make the switch from teammate to coach. I think the relationship, the player-coach relationship is completely different to the player-player relationship. So I'd find it difficult all of a sudden going from being a teammate with somebody to them being their coach so basically you're, you're saying it, until Ross and Dave Rioi and Co <laughs> retire you're not interested pretty much yeah <laughs> <laughs> on the way they're going they might cling on for a few more years yeah, so yeah. Yeah, you've you got a bit right. of time coming back to um, the, yeah, the inter-insular fixtures to come we talked to just well, we mentioned Ben AC before um, it looks like he's going to be around for a few months do we expect to see him in, involved in um, the 18s and the 21s yeah so obviously Ben has been playing and training with, with GFC quite regularly, which has made it difficult for him to train with under-18s. But um, at the moment, my understanding, obviously, with conversations I've had with Tony, is that he's going to still be around for the game and available for selection. So he's been along to the last two or three training sessions and he came down to the match day. Obviously, he wasn't in a physical condition to actually uh, participate, but he came down into the dressing room and he came to watch and all that sort of stuff. So he's doing all the right things to to be in and around the group. So um, obviously we've got a couple of weeks yet, but yeah, th at the moment the plan is that he will be available, but we'll have to wait and see. Well, that's exciting. I mean, it, it was a fantastic thing that we've seen Alex Scott score in an age group game. I think it was under 16s a few years ago. Um, I'm sure a moment that he'll kind of always remember, despite the you know the, the, the heady heights. I'm sure he'll continue to hit. But I mean, for you as coach and, and working with these these kids, you know, w when you do get the win and you've enjoyed a few of them, as we said. Um, I mean, how special is it for them and how much pleasure do you take out of their success? It's really special for them and it's really important and it's probably even more important now because they haven't played in one for two years. So um, they're probably, you know, they're probably desperate to play and desperate to win because you only get one chance every 12 months or you only get one chance every three years at the moment. So, um, yeah, I think the, the sort of importance for them is, is going to be going to be huge um you know for me obviously I haven't lost one for a while so 
um, hopefully we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll get another win. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's not a nice feeling when you lose against Jersey. That's for sure, and it takes a little while for the wounds to heal. Well, let's hope you don't have to experience that in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, Gus, thanks very much for coming in. We'll speak to you again very soon, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely be right across all of the interinsular uh, action as the season progresses. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing how, uh, how all the youngsters get on. Thanks very much. Gus Mackay speaking to me and Rob a little earlier on. Great to hear from him and we wish him and the whole of the under-18 squad very best of luck um, for that game in a couple of weeks' time. I'm sure we'll be talking a bit more about it um, on next Monday's football show. Um, before we go, Rob, let's just have a little look ahead to what's coming up. Uh, in terms of GFC, as we said, no game on Saturday. That one was postponed. Um, they're due to be away on Tuesday night at Binfield and then again on Saturday at Thatcham Town. I mean, it's... A busy schedule as ever for, for GFC, but fingers crossed those games go ahead because I know there was obviously so much disruption caused by the storm over the weekend. Yeah, um, Binfield um, are nearer the top end of the league, um, so they may well be a tough nut to crack, but Thatcham are quite in a lowly position. I think they're one of the clubs which Tony, I'm sure, will be looking at, uh, looking to overhaul before the season's end. So hopefully they can maintain that good form that they've shown in recent times. Um, they had a pretty weak side out last week, so midweek, so that wasn't a surprise that they they went down. No, but they are gradually um, moving forward and um, it's good. Hopefully Ross will be fully recovered because obviously he's key to uh, the team. There's no doubt even now. On the local scene, we've got a cracking um, pre-league game on Saturday at St Peter's where Sylvans entertain North. And that will be a game where, of course, both both sides need to win. Certainly Sylvans in terms of chasing down that top three spot because um, they're slightly behind Rovers and North in that respect. And North will be um, will keen to avoid defeat um, as they certainly look to hunt down second spot. And um, if they maintain the sort of form they had at the KG5 the other day against Rangers, I think it will be a very, very tight game. Um, yeah, certainly the pick of the matches this weekend. Yeah, we'll keep a close eye on that one, of course. Um, right, cheers then, Rob. We'll be back next Monday. Cheers, Tom. Um, in the meantime, if you're enjoying the pods, um, do give us a rating or review wherever you're listening to your shows. Do give us a share on social media as well. It all helps to spread the word. And, of course, pick up a paper Monday to Saturday for the very best local football coverage. Um, we'll see you next Monday. Thank you.